Thank you for it, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Just a reminder, we'll finish up 26 today, so chapter 27 is in the library there. So you can get that, and we'll start with it next Lord's Day, Lord willing, dealing with the sacraments. And like I mentioned last week, there's a little preliminary stuff that where the sacraments fit in, means of grace. Uh, so there's that that we'll consider. So we get some appreciation, some better appreciation, hopefully, of, um, of what the sacraments are intended to do for us, uh, why they should be meaningful to us. Right. Right now we're on chapter 26, dealing with communion of saints. Paragraph 26.1 helped us understand our union with Christ. Right? And then it's our union with Christ that gives us a union with one another. And then once there is that union, there can be communion. There can be that sharing, that benefit that flows one to the other uh, in a variety of ways. And that took us to paragraph 26.2, which got into the ways that we should be helping one another. Uh, broad categories, worship, coming together to worship, encouragement in worship, help in worship, strength in worship, fellowship in worship, and praise and adoration of God in worship. You can't do that sitting alone. You can do those things, you can't do them together as a group and in communion. You can say, well, while I'm doing it, somebody else is doing it, and somebody else is doing it, and all those things flow together somewhere um, in the sky, somewhere in the spiritual realm, all of our worship would be combined. Well, there's a sense where as we worship here today, we are joining with those who worship wherever they are around the world. There is that unity with all of those people that then would bring our worship together. But you aren't drawing necessarily encouragement. You don't know who is out there, where they are, You've never met them. You will not benefit. We will join together to worship God. But you will not personally benefit by observing and joining your voice with theirs in singing and praising God, in sitting together and hearing the word of God proclaimed. Right? So there is the obligation, and we've learned that these are obligations. These aren't take them or leave them. These aren't, okay, we can use them when it's convenient, or, yeah, we'll, we'll do it, but um, it's, you know, more for our benefit. Um, and I hope we can see and appreciate to some degree how much we benefit one another just by being here. 
just joining in worship. So we had the worship. We had the edification. We've talked about that several times. Again, some of the edification is just being together, teaching, learning together, talking. You know, I had this problem. Or praying for one another. Hearing someone pray for you. You letting somebody hear you praying for them. Just an encouraging word uh, to them. You know, the Lord put you on my heart this past week and was praying for you. I knew you had this last week and I, I trust it went well. I was praying that the Lord would help you. Um, you've heard the preacher pray when somebody was scheduled for surgery or whatever that the doc that the doctors would be led would it'd be textbook uh, that God would uh, would help and when we pray those things you know I trust it's not just rote that it's not just things that yeah we we know we we pray those things but that we believe that God will come alongside and guide a surgeon's hand. You know, it's amazing to me how delicate some of those things are. One little slip and you're paralyzed. One little slip and your eyesight's gone. It doesn't take much and when we ask God to undertake for them steadying that hand making them aware of something that all of a sudden wait a minute this isn't normal I've got to back up here and see what's going on it's just being alert being mindful so the edification Obviously, in the things of God, primarily. Then we have the tangible help. We've talked about that, and we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning with the third paragraph. But the tangible help, meeting one another's needs as the Lord enables us to do so. Sometimes that's done collectively through joining that which the Lord has enabled us to give to his work. So that in turn, while we could not meet this need, several of us together, through giving our offerings to the church, the church can then meet the need. So there is, again, the blessing and the mutual benefit one of the other in that respect. And then the last thing, the thing we were talking about last week, and we're going to pick up and finish, there were a couple more references that I wanted to, to mention, but that this communion with the saints is something that should be evident. It should be seen. It should be noted. And we looked, to start with, at John 15, excuse me, John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. So we've got 
the standard. We're loving one another with a Christ-like love. This is Christ talking to his disciples. So the, the way I've loved is the way I want you to love one another. And then verse 35, by this, by this love, one for the other, by this shall all men know that you're good people. No, shall know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. It'll be seen. Men will know it. They'll, they'll take, have you, ever, have you ever had somebody, it doesn't happen a lot, but you, if, if it's ever happened, you know people are thinking it. You ever have somebody come up and say, you must be a Christian. I've been watching you. You must be a Christian. Why? Well, you, you're, you know, ever hear you swear? And you're nice to people. Yeah. I don't hear you screaming at your kids or what. I mean, you, you just wonder. Sometimes I mean, you watch people, you take note of what they do, and they take note of what you do. But it's just interesting. Oh, I saw you praying before you ate your meal. And um, it's just. I think a way the Lord says, thank you. Thank you for honoring me in how you are living. I'm taking note too. So that was our kind of our foundation. We looked at Colossians 3.10 through 16. Not going to go back there. But 1 Thessalonians is where we were, and I do want to turn back there for just a minute. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And again, the preachers hit on it two or three times here. Uh, the communion aspect and the love and, and our living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. First. Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10 says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. We, we've got our union that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Then going on, wherefore, so... That because of that union with Christ, right, that's what 9 and 10, we've got this union. Now, because of that union, wherefore, comfort yourselves together. There's communion. And edify one another. We've talked about that. Even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves 
and to all men. So, again, it's seen. It's seen. It does something. It's not just truth. It is truth. But it's not just something we're to know. If we aren't putting it in practice, we're missing out. We're missing out on what Christ gave his life for us to do. Part of our communion with Christ. We talked about this. Part of our communion with Christ, remember we talked about the mutual benefit and what do we bring? What do we bring in this union with Christ for the communion? And we talked about it. What we bring is doing the work of the kingdom. What we bring is showing the love of Christ. Remember, as I have loved you, that's what I want you to show the world what it looks like. That's what we bring. That's what we bring. Christ isn't here walking on the earth now. Other than as he walks on the earth in you and me. So now, you show him. Tim Farr, you show him what Christ-like love looks like. That's what First Thessalonians. You know, you've got this union. You saw it in nine. We, we are not appointed to wrath. We've been appointed to obtain salvation by Christ who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. We talked about that. That union, that union is there while you're in bed asleep. That's why you can lay your head on your pillow and rest without a worry. It doesn't mean we do it all the time. But why? Because what do you teach your children? Well, the Lord has his angels watching over you. The Lord's here. The Lord's taking care of you. The Lord's not asleep. And we teach that to our children. Why? To comfort them. To give them the ability. Ah, oh, okay. And it should, it should be a truth that lets us be comforted and sleep just as much as we want them. And sometimes we bring it more personal. I'm right here. I'm right here with you. Just go to sleep. Do we hear Christ say that to us? Yeah, I'm right here with you. Just take a deep breath and rest. Because it's true. It's true. And we see in here the edifying and the being edified. In, in verse 11, wherefore comfort your sin, edify one another, even as also ye do. It's going both ways. We see being uh, respectful for those who 
are in some form of leadership and being respectful of each other. We see that in verse 13. To esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace. Respect one another. Be at peace among yourselves. Don't get worked up if somebody's doing something that's they get a little praise for. Be at peace. And, and to be at peace with one another, you got to be happy with where you are. All right? You, you got to be content with wherever it is the Lord's put you and whatever it is he's given you to do. If you're the janitor, be at peace with the principal. All right? Or with the owner of the building or whatever. If you're the janitor, you may be the owner of the building, <laughs> depending upon how things are. But you be at peace with one another. That's part of the equals part back in the fifth commandment. All right? Be active. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort. So there's a variety of things here, but you're engaged. You aren't sitting on the sideline. You're looking. All right, what can I do? Maybe it's that cup of cold water. Maybe it's helping somebody get up when they fail. Who knows what it is? But you're engaged. You're ready. Just like, again, we do it. If parents, we've done it. Uh, for your children, you're watching. And something happens. Or something's bothering. Okay, what, what's going on? What's the matter? Or... All right, jump up, you're fine. Just that word. And sometimes doing that for one another um, is helpful and appropriate. Um, and, and even be careful there. You know, you, you get going too far this way, you wind up over here. So be careful. I've seen it happen with somebody. I came close to doing it myself. So let me just warn you, these people or this thing is not all it's made out to be. And there are those who learn about things, have knowledge of things. I couldn't tell you a thing about it. But if they say, Tim Farr, you better be careful. I don't know if these people have... Uh, sent you any literature or have tried to engage you into activity with, but be careful because, right? And in this day and age, sometimes it happens a lot within our, as it were, Christian circles. You get people who are, you know, they're, they're going great guns, it seems like, and you listen to them, and yeah, hey, they're, they're good. They, I like what they're doing. I like what they're saying. I like how they're... But what happens, and what somebody who's more acquainted with them may say, well, once they've gotten you engaged, here's what some of the more established groups now are doing. Or it is a group, and now... It's become very ecumenical because they want to join arms with whether it be Roman Catholic or whether it be Muslim or whether it be Hindu or whether it be whoever. 
you know, it all of a sudden becomes that. Or they get way over to one side, they focus on one particular aspect of scripture and distort things. They get a little out of kilter. And all of a sudden, some of the other areas are not functioning, are not being exposed or not appearing as they should. So you just have to be careful with that. And in 15, we have to be Christ-like. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good. That would be Christ. Ever follow Christ, both among yourselves within the Christian, within the church, and outside, and to all men. Okay? And then one final one, 1 Peter, and there's just a verse or two over there. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10, and this is just kind of, again, describing us. And it's talked about Christ being the chief cornerstone, and then it talks about us. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that's a purchased people, that ye should show forth the praises and if you marginal reading, you've got virtues. That you should show forth the virtues of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So again, we're, 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 we're chosen for a reason. And there are things as a chosen people that we're to be doing. And you get some idea of them there with some of the descriptions. A royal priesthood? Are you interceding for others? Are you helping edify others? You're a royal priesthood. Okay, a peculiar people. You're a chosen. You're a purchased people. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, do what? Be Christ-like. Right? Show it. Show it. Right. So that takes care of our communion of saints that's evidence, right? How we act, particularly one to the other. How we act individually at times with unbelievers. But you maybe say, well, I go to this church if they ask. Oh, yeah. And I've met some other folks from your church. You know, those are some of the nicest people. Makes you feel good. When you hear something like that as opposed to, oh, are you 
see that look of <laughs> concern come over their face, like, oh no, not another one of them. Uh, so, but showing that communion we have one with the other. All right, now, if you will turn to 1 John, if you're in Peter, a couple of pages over, 1 John 5, verses 2 and 3, and again, a little bit of the same thing here, but for a different purpose. I'm, I'm going to question 2 now. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Right? Now, that in mind. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Now, my question on page 655, question two, which of the Ten Commandments helps in understanding our obligation to one another, this aspect of communion one with the other? What do you think? Which of the commandments? All ten. All ten. Now let's break it down a little bit. So all 10, and we know there's kind of a, a division. Number oh, number 10, yeah. number 10. Well, number 10 in what way? We're not to covet whatever our neighbors have. Okay, so being content. Content, I think, was the word we, when we went through. So being content. Let's go on from there. Any others? Bob? Six through 10. Six through 10? Back up five through 10? And, and so you've got kind of all ten of them, don't you? You're loving God, the first four, and loving man, your fellow man, particularly your Christian, the last six. Now, and, and I obviously these verses, you, you show your love for one another by keeping God's commandments. Don? It's interesting when you, Donald was saying commandment number one, it being very strong in, in, in this. Have you ever looked at the commandments and, and, okay, how am I doing with this commandment? And then thought about, well, if I'm not doing so good, why? And invariably, at least for me, I come back to because either I didn't take God seriously when he said, this is what you ought to do. Maybe I thought I knew better, which puts me just flat out in direct violation of the first commandment. Because now I've made myself God. And that's why I think where Don's coming from too. If, if you don't 
love God and give him his place. You know, and we can understand when we, when scripture tells you, if you've broken one, whichever one you think is the, the, the least, okay? If I've got to break one, let, this one, because it's down here on the totem pole of seriousness. You've broken one, you've broken them all. And you can see how it works together to that end. But again, and, and I say this because we live in a day and age where obviously the law, the commandments, you, it's the, just a terrible thing. You're being legalistic, being legalistic. God over and over brings us to his commandments in his word. Now, what commandments people want to put in there, I don't know. But he's also told us that the summary of the moral law is loving God and loving our neighbors, ourselves. And you expand on that with these, well, how do I do that? Well, you don't covet. You don't say the wrong thing about your neighbor. You don't steal from them. You don't kill them. You don't uh, act in an immoral way toward them. Right? You respect them. You, you understand the relationships you have, and you act appropriately in those relationships. And, of course, you, you give God his place, right? Our focus on God, who he is. I am the Lord, your God. I made you. I created everything. I'm God. God alone. Not only am I God, I'm the one who brought you out of bondage. I always like to think about those first couple of verses there in Exodus 20 with the commandments because it sets the tone for all the commandments. So why should I, the commandments bother me? If the God of all creation says this is what you're to do, that's what I ought to do. He made me. But if he loved me enough to bring me out of the house of bondage, I ought to do it out of love. Garth? It, it, Thomas Watson was talking about the Thomas Watson's book on the, with the dealing with the commandments, and of course we went through them, and you, you've got those to um, hopefully read over. You take the larger catechism and go through it periodically, and just see, just be reminded. Boy, if I'm doing as we read them here in the worship service. Just little excerpts. And I don't know about you, but I don't know that I get 
ever through one of the little excerpts without saying, hmm. I think I've broken that one recently. Um, it's hard. But it's what we want to desire in our heart. Don? It's always helped me tremendously to think of, number one, where we were before God's graciousness to us. Number two, our absolute unworthiness of even being able to communicate with God. And number three, And we, we would be without the benefit. Exactly. But yeah, uh, so where we were, I was talking about where we were, I brought you out of the house of bondage where you were, right? What we, what we were and the fact that we didn't have any way to get out of that house of bondage. We'd still be there if it hadn't been for God coming and delivering us. And then his giving us his word. You know, the little catechism, what the scriptures principally teach? What man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of him. This is how you approach me. I'm not just your best buddy. Right? I'm God. And the only way you dare approach me is through my son. That's the only way. If you try coming any other way, you are dead. Period. Right? I Christ speaking am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. And this goes to Don, what Don was saying. Giving us the way you can enjoy this union with me. No man comes to the Father but by me. Be ye holy as I am holy. Don? Another way to look at it as well, uh, several of us are familiar with the industrial environment. And when you walk into an industrial environment and you're being trained as an operator, you go through a training so that you know how to properly 
Yeah, no, no question. The Lord has been very kind to us to save us and then to give us his word, to teach us what we need to know about ourselves, what we need to know about him, what we need to know about how we are to interact with him. And isn't it wonderful that a lot of it is to let us know how much he wants us to interact with him the right way. But he's our heavenly father, wants us to approach and to come to him. All Ten Commandments, and we can go through them, but we've got those. All right, let me touch quickly on 26.3, because I'm, I'm not planning on spending a lot of time with this one. 26.3 on page 656 says, This communion, which the saints have with Christ, doth not make them in any wise partakers of the substance of his Godhead, or to be equal with Christ in any respect either of which to affirm is impious and blasphemous. Nor doth their communion one with another. So the first part was communion with Christ. Doesn't make us, remember Stephen Greer? Talking about the attributes of God and those that are communicable and those that are non-communicable. All right. So, Yes, we can be Christ-like. We can show, we can have some of the same, as it were, attributes. But it's not that we have become deity. All right? Christ, God, has these attributes eternal and perfect. We don't. Right. So the communicable. Nor doth their communion one with another, as saints, take away or infringe the title or property which each man hath in his goods and possessions. And that um, the, the, the passage in Acts and in communion, having all things in common and stuff, is the passage that gets brought in to teach otherwise um, on that a lot of times. And um, there's... Um, clearly that wasn't the case with everybody that was in the church. People brought willingly. You know, but it's what you were trying to do in Ananias and Sapphira, the, the testimony you were trying to have, were you trying to be deceitful? But there were those that didn't bring everything. So... It's, there, there's nothing there that says, yeah, we've got to have everything in common. But, as we've just learned, we do have an obligation to use what God's given to us where we can, when we can, to help one another. So it doesn't relieve us of being mindful of needs of others by any means. It's still yours. But God expects you to do what you can and should to help your brethren. My, uh, and you can see some of the passages there, the, the immortality, uh, God, Christ, uh, 1 Timothy 6.15, 
who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We, we, don't, we don't enter into that. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, and so forth. So you've got the, the, the passages, the scripture there that touches on those things. Um, And, and you see, my, my question there on 657, what is required for us to reap the benefits and to fulfill the requirements of our communion with Christ? Well, to be perfectly honest, Don just touched on this. What's necessary is for us to have the knowledge to see what God has said. Here are the benefits. Here's how you get them. Here's how you use them. Here's how you realize them. Here's why they're there, etc. Right? Knowledge, and then in love, making use of them. In love for God, in love one for the other. You can look at the catechism questions there on 658, larger catechism 69. What is the communion in grace which the members of the invisible church have with Christ? The communion and grace which the members of the invisible church have with Christ is their partaking of the virtue of his mediation in their justification. Here's where you're reaping benefits. Here's what Christ is bringing to this relationship. Right? Justification, adoption, sanctification, and whatever else in this life manifests their union with him. And shorter catechism, question 36 there. What are the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, sanctification? The answer, assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Ghost, increase of grace, and perseverance therein to the end. And I'm going to leave you to look at the rest of the catechism questions that are there. This was communion in grace. The next one deals with communion in glory. Benefits when we die. Benefits in this life relative to glory, um, etc. Look at those. Because now we're talking about things flowing from the union. And is it, is it where are having communion. When you are thinking and rejoicing in your justification... You're having communion with Christ. All right? So that's where these things are happening. All right, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for all you've done for us. Whereas our brother Don's brought to our attention, just thinking about where we were. And, and you're bringing us out. You're seeking us. You're doing everything necessary. You're conquering the enemies of our soul that we might have liberty in life. Lord, we owe you everything. Help us, Lord, in our worship this day to reflect that. Help us in our lives each day to reflect that, to be glad to reflect it, and to share it with those about us. So be with us now. Go before us, we ask. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.